In the fall each year we all congregate The mouth all gathered at the church of Hilgate The scriptures reading from the book of Monson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman Drunk and obnoxious, what Georgia faith Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday and that's end Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley, and I am fired up tonight to be joined by Colt Ford. Colt is a Georgia native. He played golf at the University of Georgia. He is a singer, songwriter, rapper, musician, performer, and co-founder and co-owner of Average Joe's Entertainment. He has written multiple number one hits, sold millions of albums, and has had his songs streamed over a billion times. Uh, Colt, we are fired up to have you, man. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Hey, brother. So I want to start with you. Um, I know family is important to you. It's certainly important to us as well. Uh, your mom and daddy celebrated their 58th wedding anniversary this year. Um, how important a role have they played in your life and your journey uh, to this point? Oh, Lord. Uh, good. My parents, uh, I've been so unbelievably lucky to be raised by the, my parents. I, 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 it'd be hard to really explain. I mean, honestly, I mean, they're both so unbelievable for different reasons. And uh, I mean, I got my sports, you know, background from my dad, who's, you know, anybody around Athens, Georgia knows, knows my dad, they, you know, coach Brown and uh, he coached a lot of guys and in baseball and uh, it's, and my mom was always the one that kind of held things together. I meant, and, uh, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's just been unbelievable. I, I've been so lucky. And to be raised in a town like Athens, you, you kind of don't realize sometimes till you get older, uh, what an amazing town Athens was to grow up in. And, and especially the era that I grew up in, uh, I'm 51 now. So, uh, the era that I grew up in there and I, I talked to a lot of our buddies now and I'm like, man, we were, we were lucky. Like you just don't, you know, you don't realize it. Uh, sometimes you don't, you clearly, you don't think about it when you're young. You, you know, I remember thinking, Oh man, when I was, you know, 20 or something, I thought, what do you do when you're 40? You just go off in the woods and die like an old dog or something like <laughs> you know, you want. And I just going hard as ever. It's uh, but Athens was just such a unique place to grow up in. And in the, in the era that I grew up in going to Clark central, some, you know, growing up with Vince Dooley and, and, and the legendary coaches there and Irk Russell and people like that, they were there, you know, that I, that I was, have known my whole life and, you know, and, and Billy Henderson at Clark Central and, and all the great athletes and stuff that I grew up with. And just what an amazing town. I mean, I wish, I wish there was, oh, it's not like, it's not quite like it used to be. It's still a great place, but I'm at, uh, Growing up there was was just an amazing time with some amazing parents that were always involved with everything I was doing, whether it was music or sports or whatever. Uh, I, I've been truly lucky and very blessed for sure. No question. So you brought up the role sports played in your life and your mom and daddy's role in kind of fostering that and shaping that. What was it like? We're coming up now, or this is the 40th anniversary of, of Georgia's last football national title. What was it like being an 11 year old kid in Athens with, with Herschel running wild and, and the dogs winning it all? Good Lord. I'm at, uh, you know, I, I get in this conversation with some of my other friends from other places, but 
you'd be hard to it'd be hard pressed to argue that there's that there was a better college running back or football player than Herschel Walker. Uh, and I was privileged to see every single game that 1980 season. I was at every single game. My dad was, you know, very involved with the University of Georgia. Uh, I'd known Coach Dooley my whole life. His, Derek, his son's one of his sons a year older than me that I grew up with. And so I was at every game. Uh, honestly, I, uh, just a quick side note, at, at the Florida game that year, obviously with the run, Lindsay run, Yeah. I, I always went with my dad. You know, it was just a different time. I got out of school for a couple of days. We went down to Jacksonville early with and played golf for two or three days and and hung out. And, and you know, when you're 11, you think you still think that, oh, God, anything can happen. Everything we're going to be all right. We're going to win. And, you know, I was on the side. I was on the sidelines. Actually, I was in the end zone. Buck Blue was in front of us. So we were in the Florida end zone on the sideline, had our little TV from our customized van. Dad had one of the first customized university of Georgia vans that we, that, and, and I was trying, and, and I'm telling my dad, man, dad's just beside himself. We're going to lose. This is it. It's all going to hell. <laughs> I mean, it's all, you know, it's all slipping away. And, you know, and again, I'm 11. No, dad, we're going to win. No, we're going to win. And he, you know, obviously the pass happens to Lindsey Scott and he runs on the sidelines and, I'm watch, trying to watch the replay on the little TV and I'm yelling at my dad and I look up and I don't see him. He's about on the 15 or 20 yard line of the field <laughs> in the middle of the damn field. And I don't think anybody in the stadium saw him because they were all watching the other end and he's kissing the ground in the middle of the field. And I don't think a single person in there saw him, uh, just, you know, un- unbelievable. I mean, I was there, when Hersh- in Knoxville, when Herschel ran over Bill Bates, and it was hotter than 40 hells there. Uh, they ran out of ice before the game. <laughs> I mean, it was oh, Lord. They literally ran out of ice in the stadium before the game started. I um, mean, so, yeah, that was a pretty special season. And my mom, and I just saw it at their house the other day. My mom had this a door in their house that she used to have these paint pens, and she would take – the, the animated things that would be on the cover of, of the Athens Banner Herald with, you know, choking a yellow jacket or a gator or whatever. And she would take these and paint pen them on this door. And, uh, and that door still, they still got that door and it's got Herschel's signature on it. It's got Ray Goff's signature on the door, Robert Hope. I meant like, it was, it was just a magical time. You know, I meant my dad been coached you know baseball around there and a little old car business there in Athens but everybody knew him uh and Herschel was such a quiet guy he you know he didn't like the limelight he didn't like any of that and sometimes on Friday afternoon Coach Dooley left he would come over uh to my dad's office and sit on the back porch and just sit there and talk with dad for an hour because he just didn't want to be around the fray and so nobody knew where that he was there or anything and uh yeah, I, I was lucky. That that was that was a special time watching, you know, those guys. And even back to basketball with Dominique and Terry Fair and James Banks and Byrne Fleming and, you know, Eric Mawberry. I mean, I, I, I was lived and breathed that stuff. Athens and Georgia is just always be home to me, I hope. Oh, man, that's beautiful. I can just I can just see the joy coming out of you when you tell that, man. It's just what, what a gift to hear that story. So thank you for sharing that. Well, you, you, you mentioned going and, and golfing with your dad. Talk about the role that, that golf kind of played in your upbringing and obviously kind of has kept going. I mean, it's it's still a, a lifelong passion. 
It really is. I mean, about sports, just sports in general. Uh, I was, I was a very good baseball. I was, believe it or not, and most people, I've lost some weight now, but I became famous in music as a fat guy. But uh, I've, I've lost some weight now, kind of getting back to where I used to be. But it's like people, I was like, you may not believe this when you see me, but I used to be, I was a pretty good athlete. I was a very good athlete and I played every sport and baseball and basketball, football. And I loved baseball. My dad coached Legion baseball there in Athens and coached, you know, some of the greatest athletes that have ever came through there baseball wise. I mean, and, you know, David Dukes and Chris Morocco and Don Perno and David Perno and Robbie Cameron. I mean, like my dad coached Brian, Governor Brian Kemp. I mean, uh, played for him. I mean, with all these great, great Legion baseball teams. And I, I really, I, I, we lost in the state finals to go to the Southeastern regionals. And we lost to East Marietta and little league. And uh, they won the little league world series that year. And, oh, wow. uh, we lost two to one on an era and oh. uh, I was playing golf and pitching baseball and playing baseball. And that made me want to focus more on golf. Cause I was like, I pitched pretty much a no hitter against the team that won the little league world series. And I lost because of an error. And it, you know, it's an honor is an error. It happens. It's sports. We, I, we made them, I make them still make them. But at the time I was like, I did everything I could do and we lost and golf allowed me to go if I lose, it's it's on me. I can't look at center fielder. I can't be bad at the first baseman, third base, whatever. It's like it's it's all on me. So I started focusing more on golf, and was lucky to become a high school uh, all American and a AJGA all American, and and grew up with some of the legendary players like Phil Mickelson and Jim Furyk, guys I I grew up playing with since we were young, and we're still friends. And um, golf has taken me all around the world, and uh and back again and it's still a big part of my life it's been cool i've got to play in a couple of champions tour events here this year which has been something to look forward to considering i can't do my day well i say my day job my night job really but i, I can't yeah. do my job that I, I, lo I love to do but music was always really kind of my first love uh i mean i made a record if you if you're familiar with a guy named mark maxwell who's one of the play actually played football at georgia one of the greatest acoustic guitar player i mean like was one of the first big studios ever in Athens that recorded people like REM and things like that. And I made a record with him my freshman year in high school in like 1982 or three. Uh, so his studio was right off of Millage Avenue. So I mean, music has always kind of been my first love. I chose golf at the time because I knew in golf, there is no, there's, is there luck? Yes. You have luck day in, day out. That's all part of every sport, but it was, if I'm good enough, I know I can make a living. Right. And music, anybody who follows music or goes to live shows has been to plenty of shows or walked in a bar or walked in Georgia Theater or 40 Watt or somewhere downtown and went, oh, shit, that's the best artist I've ever heard, best singer. And, and they never necessarily go anywhere because there's a lot of luck. It might be the right person didn't hear them, the right whatever. They couldn't chase it. They couldn't. They never got in front of the right person. They couldn't afford to go chase the dream or whatever so i chose golf at the time but i could never make music go away and i was still trying to do music and golf and the schedules don't really match up so right in golf, in golf it's time to get up and that's about when i go to bed and music these days so uh the schedules do not go together and i find myself talking to tour players on the PJ tour champions tour when i'm literally getting ready to go to bed and they're getting up because they got an early tea time so 
it's uh you know it's just it's been great and golf is such a wonderful game it it it's you know it it's one of the only sports that you can obviously you can play to your do you get up way up in age my dad's just turned 85 uh on the 25th of october and he still plays um but but because of the handicap system it allows you to go play with people at all different levels which is what's so great about the game and and if anything's good come out of this pandemic is golf has had a big resurgence and it's got a lot of people back playing again and it's got a lot of families outside and stuff together and doing that and i think that's important so uh golf's been pretty good to me although i played so bad this last championship event i i woke up monday i was like i'm so damn glad i ain't gotta play golf today (laughs) (laughs) which i Play that much but i was kind of feeling that way uh but you know I, i've had a lot you know I, I played pretty good the first one my good is as good as their good my bad is not as good as their bad and that's because they do it every day and i don't and but it's still a huge honor to be a part of it and uh you know i just this last one i just i was a little tired i was not really prepared they kind of called me late but it was like it's such an honor i'm not going to miss it so i showed up but my little sister, I'd found out she just got diagnosed with cancer. So there's a lot of stuff going oh, on. Man. I really just never could. You can't go out there and try to play against Ernie Els and people that are the best players in the world uh, on the Champions Tour. And your mind is not where it needs to be. But those guys, they've been so good to me out there. The tour has been so good to me and inviting me out. And I hope I get to go do some more. I just need to practice a little bit harder, I guess. Well, so I'm, I'm interested in the parallels between your golf career and your music career, mainly because there's some similarity in what you were talking about earlier about if, if you don't do well at golf, it's on you, right? The spotlight's on you and, and the only person you can blame is yourself. And in a lot of ways, being a musician is similar to that. You're the, you're the one on stage. You're the one that the spotlight is on. And right. I don't know, there, there's some, I think some similarity in the solitude of both of those. Have you found that to be helpful to kind of, kind of mesh those or, or anything like that? I think that is true in a lot of ways because of what I of playing golf professionally and at a high level. I mean, I kind of like when the light turns red. I mean, when the nerves are, I mean, I, that I'm one of those guys that it kind of excites. I mean, you know, and, and it's funny now, even now at this level where I'm at with my golf, I'll play with some guys that kind of, they still, although they can read it online and they've heard the stories, they still don't believe that I, that I'm that guy on the golf course. And it's cost quite a few of them a lot of money to find out. <laughs> I still am that guy. And I, I just love the, like the more, you know, I just got to spend some time with Michael Jordan down at his place, his new golf course he opened. And, you know, he talking, I spent a couple hours talking with him on the porch and just, he was, you know, he was that guy like, okay, you really want to know? I'll be happy to show you. And I, I like that, you know, I mean, I, I really, that kind of gets me off to go, the more, the more you push me, the more I'm going to pay attention to what's going on. And, and I really, I just love it. There is, but there is that similarity of being on stage. I, you know, I screw up lyrics all the time. Shit happens. I meant, you know, I can remember every song to a run DMC album from 1983 and I forget <laughs> that I wrote, but, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, when you're up there and the lights, I mean, there's no hiding. And that's, that's what I love about golf. I mean, like I played bad this last week. I mean, but I was playing in a real tour event where there's a scorecard and there's a square and I got to write a score in it and everybody can see it. So a lot of, it's real easy to say you can do it or think you can do it. It's a whole different thing to, you know, uh, to actually go out there and do it. 
So, but when you're out there, it is, it's just, you know, I got another, the band and everything's on stage, but I mean, it's just me. So if, if it's, if I screw up, there ain't nowhere for me to hide and same with golf. And I think that's very, people ask me about that a lot. And I, I think that's, it has definitely helped me in a lot of ways because of being comfortable being in it, in it being on me. I'm not afraid to take the last shot. I'm not afraid to, I, I mean, I want the ball when it's clutch time. I want it. And, uh, but at the same time, you know, it's, you got to be willing to, you got to be willing to lose in, in that sense too. And I've done that before too. And I'm sure I'll do it again. I mean, you screw up words sometimes and it's the biggest one was, uh, I think maybe there's a festival it used to be a festival up in Minnesota. And it, I meant like huge, like 75,000, 80,000 people there. And, uh, the night, one of the nights we were playing, Jason Aldean was on the, on there that night. So we saved dirt road anthem to do it. Although it's my my song, obviously it became his biggest song of his career that Brantley Gilbert and I wrote, and uh, so we decided to do it together, which we always do when we're playing shows together. But when it got to the second verse, I could—I mean, I literally just—I <laughs> was literally standing there with a the mic in front of eighty thousand. I was like, I—I I could not think. I've done it however many times. I had nothing. I just—I was just <laughs> standing there. And the band's playing, and Jason over the mic goes, "Well, you wrote it," and I. <laughs> And the crowd started going crazy. I was like, y'all just sing the hook. That's shit. I can't remember nothing. I can't remember. <laughs> it happens. Oh, that's funny. Well, I love hearing you talk about Legion baseball and playing baseball. I come from a baseball family. My, 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 me, myself and two of my brothers all played in college and uh, love playing Legion. My brother and I are close enough in age where we got to play together and won a uh, state championship in Legion and just so many beautiful memories from that. And it's interesting you bring up the parallel about the, I guess being an athlete and then being on stage and loving when the red light comes on, because there, if you look at the, the current country music scene in Nashville, there's a ton of ex college athletes that are doing really well in the space. And it seems that's probably not a coincidence, right? No, it's actually really cool. I meant to see, you know, there's a lot, I meant Jake Owen was going to try to walk on at Florida state and play golf. I mean, you got Brett young now who actually was pits in the Dodger organization and Chase Rice was a, linebacker starter at the at the University of North Carolina I mean there's a lot of guys that were good athletes uh, Kip Moore who grew up in Tifton Georgia played golf at Valdosta State and there's there's a lot of guys that were really good athletes and and it's it, it's funny I've had this conversation with other entertainers that are actually this is pretty kind of behind the scenes kind of stuff which I guess is fine for what we're doing uh people will be interested. I, I, I've seen things that have happened in the music industry and I'm like, wow, that bothered somebody. Like I, I couldn't understand it. And I'm like, like I grew up in a, in a playing sports and on teams where it's like, that shit just wouldn't have been an issue. I mean, like you, we would have dressed it. We would have gone outside and fought or whatever. Then we would have got back to work and gone on. With what right. We were doing. Right. And my conclusion from all that is to say that, I've now I've, some of the guys that I've seen where I see the differences are with those things happen. I'm like, well, you just didn't grow up like in that environment. They grew up more sheltered, just playing the music and hiding, you know, staying in the room and learning how to be, which there's nothing wrong with that. I don't mean, I don't mean that ugly. It's just like, it's just a different mindset. And yep. I'm like, that would have never like, I, I'd hear stuff even within my own band. I'm like, now how long has that been going on? And my band was like, four months. I'm like, no shit, four months. That's been <laughs> That doesn't, you know, you grow up in a locker room like that don't yeah. happen. And it, it lasts four minutes before somebody's like, all right, we're going to figure this out if we're yeah. going to be a team. And so 
there's some, there are some neat parallels to sports and the music, and the, and there's some things that are hard to understand sometimes from the sports and the music because you you know like I said, there's times I've been like, wow, I just I don't understand that. I mean, and and as I've talked to some other some of my closer friends that are former you know that were good athletes, so like Brantley Brantley was a very good high school athlete. Justin Moore and some guys, it's like, wow, I guess yeah, you just it's just a different mindset. Just grew up in a different playing playing sports and taught you some different things and that's why i still think sports are so important for our young for our kids and and to continue to play and play multiple things and uh, i'm not a big fan of everybody gets a trophy i didn't grow up in that era uh me I, neither you know, brother and when you're raised by coaches like that i grew up under like my dad you know my dad and then growing up at clark central with billy henderson and and guys that were around that i mean and, and watching vince dooley and people like legends my whole life's like nah I don't care who your daddy is. I don't care what you do. Best players play. It's the way it is. If you don't, if you don't win, you don't get no damn trophy. That is, I mean, I, that's not a. I, don't, I just disagree with that. That coddled way of of raising. I mean, I think sports builds character, and and it and you lose, and you lose a hell of a lot more, and you you win. That's the way sports is. So you got to learn to get back up and be tough and go back and work some more. And if you really want that trophy, then by God, you can you can earn it. You just shouldn't get it for free. Well, you talk about earning it. I, I got to ask you about this. You shot 66 at Pebble. Just talk to me on that. I want to know <laughs> what kind of zone you're in that day and, and how awesome was it doing it in that setting at that kind of hallowed place? It was it was awesome. That was my first year there. I was playing with Billy Horschel, who's a great friend of mine, although he's a Florida Gator. Uh, and nobody's perfect. No, nobody's. He's, he's got to have some kind of flaw. He's in great shape, and world class golfer, and he's rich, and he's went to Gators. That's his bad. That's he played at Florida. <laughs> but uh, it was just one of those days. The first round we played was Monterey Peninsula Club, and it was seventy degrees, dead sunny, no breeze, and it was funny because a lot of the guys and a lot of the former players that I grew up with are giving me a whole bunch of crap. They're like, "Oh, this isn't fair. You're getting to play the up tees a little bit." I'm like. First of all, hold on. The first year I got in Pebble, I, I weighed 320 pounds. So just walking for four days, that is bullshit. I didn't like it at all. I, was almost, <laughs> I got done. I was like, I need a vacation from this. I was so exhausted. But first day, you're excited, everything. It just, it was this golf course is not playing very long. And they were giving me a bunch of crap. And I'm like, wait a minute. You were giving me one shot. So I was getting one stroke. Yes, I played good. I did used to do it for a living. I'm playing a short golf course, perfect conditions, no wind. Come on. Nobody said anything about the guy from Pandora Jewelry who's a 12 and shoots 76 with four natural birdies. And I'm like, hey, I'm I'm the guy that y'all are bitching about. You guys. <laughs> this guy, if you brought that guy to your member guest, you'd get killed and ran out of your club. I'm at like, <laughs> a 12 can't shoot 76 and no. make four or birdies i'm sorry but you can't so you know it's been fun i was just i've had some good rounds out there i played pretty good again this year and uh yeah it's just just been just been fun to be a part of the whole deal well so what was the transition like from playing on the mini tours and trying to make it in the golf world when you were younger and then transitioning into the teaching space at clubs and then finally going at some point all right look i got to i got a leap here I got to go full force in and try to chase this music dream and see where that goes. What was kind of the turning point for you on that? And when did you decide to leap and do that? I, I love teaching golf. I really do. And I'm 
not to pull my chain. I'm good at it. I have a very good knack for it. I was raised around. I was lucky enough to be taught by some of the world's greatest teachers. Uh, and I just, and I really loved it. I loved teaching and, uh, but music, I could never turn it off. I could never make it go away. It just, I, I it, and I was always writing and what, I mean, I just never could make that go away. And, and, and at the time I was, te- I was teaching a pro over at river club in Atlanta, a very nice club, a really nice high end place and was doing great. And, my buddy Charlie Reimer, who used to be on the Golf Channel, played on tour, uh, and uh, was announced on the Golf Channel and played on tour. Played at Georgia Tech, another his one of the one of his bad qualities. <laughs> that's right, that's right. But we we decided to start a business. We just had the opportunity to start a business, and it was kind of a travel. You know, a lot of guys like to go to Europe or Scotland or wherever to play golf. And Charlie and I thought we knew some people we could put it together where we would take these CEOs and their people, not just plan the trip, but we'd go with them. So you got two former professionals that played on the tour. Uh, one's an announcer on TV, and the other one is a is a golf teacher that teaches a lot of top amateurs and tour pros. And and we and and it started off unbelievable. And then it was 2000, basically seven when everything kind of went, the economy went bad and it was just, just a bad timing for the business. And I just decided uh, I was at a PBR event, professional bull riding event. And I, I, my wife, Jessica at the time said, uh, you need to write a song about the PBR. And I'm like, ah, but a song about the PBR. You know, I was just like, <laughs> and she kept on me about it. I'm like, fine, I'll write the song just cause she wouldn't stop me. And I knew the CEO of the PBR, Randy Bernard, who's now used to be CEO of IndyCar. He's actually now Garth Brooks' uh, co-manager. Uh, and I called him up and I sent the song to him. And he texted me back immediately. I was like, oh, my God, this is great. We want to use this for our 2008, or I think, 2000, our 2008 season. It's going to be a theme song. He's like, can we get it? Who did it? And I texted back, I did it. And immediately the phone rings. He's like, wait a minute, this is bullshit. You play golf. (laughs) What are you talking about with this song? And I was was like, well, you didn't know this, but I also do music. And he was like, this is crazy. And, but that's kind of how it started. And, uh, you know, I, I I just started, I just could never make it go away. And I took a crazy leap of faith and it was crazy. I admit, I mean, it was at 36 or seven years old to go, Oh, by the way, I'm going to go be in country music and I don't know anybody in the industry and I'm going to do it a little bit differently. And I'm going to be 300 pounds with a cowboy hat. Uh, you know, I don't look like Luke Bryan. I meant, uh, and everybody's like, yep, you're nuts. You're really nuts. And, and I just, I, my mom has always told me I was hard headed. So I, I just, I don't know when I started, when I wrote right through the country, which took me about, two weeks to write this record. I mean, it just kind of came out when I really decided to be myself as an artist. Like I spent a lot of time in music chasing things that were fads or things that worked. And it's like, it's not, it never completely worked. It's like, it's not who I am. When I decided to really be myself, that's when, that's when Colt Ford really came to life. And it just, you know, here we are 13, 14 years later and uh, seven albums and, uh, you know, billion streams. I mean, it was just crazy to me. I never thought that would ever happen. And I've, I've been, I've just been a lucky, lucky guy, man. I, I really have. I know you got to have some talent and ability and that's all true, but I've had a lot of breaks and a lot of people help me along the way. And, and, uh, and I'm very thankful for that. So I want to unpack 
couple things in there a little bit. First thing is uh, you mentioned being yourself and things taken off after that. Did I read that at the beginning of your musical journey that you had gone to Atlanta and taped an album with Jermaine Dupree? Yeah, yeah. Jermaine and I worked together when we were we were young. We did crisscross record together. And uh, it's funny, Jermaine and I have been talking again lately about making some more music together, which is which is fun. You know, he just went in the World Songwriter Hall of Fame. I mean, easily more than, when you start talking about those guys, there's some other names that people might know a little bit more for whatever reason. But when it comes to if you locked him in the room with the Dr. Dre's and the other guys like I don't think any of those guys can can come close to being as talented as Jermaine is. I mean, he could write the song, he could play instruments, he could dance, he could rap, he could. Sing. I mean, like, not those guys were all talented. Don't get me wrong, but they had this guy played a keyboard, and this guy. I mean, like Jermaine could do all that stuff himself, and and was, you know, the like crisscross. I mean, he wasn't even twenty years old when he made that record. I mean, like, I, I was driving him to the studio. He didn't even have a car. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, you know, and when we were doing that, we didn't know. It was just kids trying to make music. We didn't know that that would be 14, 15 million records and go on tour with Michael Jackson. And But again, the stuff I was doing there was maybe not necessarily who I w really was. And, uh, you know, maybe that's why it didn't work. I mean, it was a cool experience to be a part of. But, uh, you know, here we are with me being honest about who I am as a person and an artist and and that's when it really started working for me. So I grew up in a small town, country place, right? But, All right. And loved country music, but always loved hip hop and R&B too, you know. And right. Jermaine, was one of my favorites. I mean, when I was 14, I remember just rocking money in the thing about burned a hole in the CD, you know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think you're right. You know, he's underrated from, a, from, I think, what his contributions have been and how talented he is. And yeah, that's a great point. And so I want to pivot off of that because I want to go to ride through the country being, you said it just kind of poured out of you. And I think there's something to that with you just kind of saying, look, I'm going to be me. And this is, this is the story I want to tell and I'm going to let it rip. And I can remember in late 08, early 09, you know, uh, satellite radio was just becoming a thing then. And I remember riding down the road one day in my brother's Explorer because he had satellite radio. I mean, he was fancy. So I, I didn't have that. And that's when it was just called XM11. Yeah. And uh, Ride Through the Country came on. And I was like, man, this song like speaks to me on so many levels because it sounds like stuff from how I grew up. But it's also delivered in a way that kind of mixes the two genres of music that I love. Right. And I don't know, man, it struck a chord with me. And obviously it struck a chord with a lot of other people, too. Have you found that to be a common story from from folks that, that you've talked to over your journey the last 15 years? Yeah, I'd say that's probably the most common thread is like you're talking to us. You're talking about my life, the way that the way that I live. And then, you know, again, there was that element of parents. I'd get parents every night come to shows and go. Oh my God, we're so thankful for you because I don't mind my 12 year old listening to you. And and it that's one of the coolest things ever. I remember Luke Bryan when Luke was like, I ain't never seen 60, 60 year olds and 66 year olds sing the same damn song, but they sing your songs that way. And that's so cool to me. I mean, I get parents to just go, me and my son, I mean, we listened, we listened to that. And it's, you know, I mean, I don't know how old you are and if you got kids, but it, you know, mine are about grown now, but it's like, 
you don't have that much where it's like, man, this at 13 or 14 or 12 or 10, where you're like, this is, I love this. And my mom and dad both love this too. My grandparents like that just doesn't happen much. And so I've been really blessed that that's the case. And, uh, you know, this music is so powerful. It transcends politics and religion. And, uh, it's just, it's a, it's a powerful thing. I mean, it, it really is. It's a really powerful thing. And music, I just, I love it so much. I love creating it. I love writing it. I love being, it's, it's killed me, this pandemic. I've averaged about 130 shows a year for over 12 years, 13 years, and I don't even have 40 this year. So it's, and it ain't just for me, it's the fans. And then I start my band, my crew, you know, I paid them right. out for first couple of months. Then I was able to get some PPP money to pay my guys. And, you know, you got 10, 11 guys on salary. And then all of a sudden, August comes in, it's like, I don't have any money. I got no shows. I got no money. And it's like, this isn't a hobby for them. This is what they do. Right. You know, it's, it's it's really, and again, it's it's hurt a lot of people in a lot of ways. It's really decimated the music industry and the entertainment industry as a whole. I just lost one of my guitar players that's been with me eight years. All he's ever done is play music for a living, and he's packed up his gear and moving back to Idaho. Oh, man. It's like... This is taking his is taking his his life's work, man. I mean, and it and I get it. I mean, it's 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 just bad. It's just bad. I mean, I'm ready for to get back to it. I want to be safe for everybody, but at at some point, you know, we just can't stay in the house. At some point, we've got to go back to living our lives. I mean, yeah, some point we got to live. I I I've thought the same thing. There's you speak to this, and there's so many I think unspoken tragedies like that out of this. Um, you know, you think about now we're in college football season and think about all those college towns in the Southeastern Conference that those businesses need that weekend. You know, they need those home weekends. And, uh, you know, it just breaks your heart, brother. I mean, and uh, you just hope there's a path forward. And look, we, we serve a we serve a great Lord. So I know it's coming. And, and uh, uh, we just we just got to be patient on it. And his time, not our time. So uh, just have faith in that and roll, man. But I, I know that's easier said than done. Uh, just the towns. I mean, Athens, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of things that work because of Georgia football there. I mean, you know, I get a call from my son and it's like, you're a rap's closed down for good. And I mean, I mean, it's like, wait, what? I don't get to, I don't, I can't go get a barbecue chicken wrap anymore. I mean, like yeah. dude, it's, it's not there. And that's, that's sad, but we got to figure out a way. We got to figure out a way to do it and do it together. And, uh, you know, obviously all this election stuff is pretty crazy right now. And I, I'm just, I'm kind of sick of all of it, to be honest with you. I just, <laughs> it, it's just not that complicated. Just be a good person, man. I mean, I don't give a crap what color you are, black, white, blue, whatever. If you're a good person, you're cool with me. I, I like, I, I don't care what religion you are. I don't care about none of that. I mean, and, uh, you know, you, you, you just be a good human being and, and try to be a good steward towards other human beings. I mean, it, it just ain't that damn complicated. Well, I know how important being a dad is to you, and I've got four kids of my own, and I think one of the more compelling things about your story is, um, and I, I was having this conversation with my son earlier this week, we've been talking a lot lately about gifts, and that God blesses us all with gifts, and it's it's part of our duty in our journey to try and use those gifts um, to honor him, and you have been, I would say, one of the rare folks who has used two of his gifts to reach the zenith uh, of, of that path. Right. And I'm just interested. What do you, what do you tell your kids when they ask you about 
chasing their dreams and, and utilizing their gifts. What is, what is your perspective on that? And, and what kind of words would you share with, with them and with uh, our listeners? I agree with you a hundred percent. And I, I get asked that a lot, you know, like why well, you golf and music, they don't go together and everything. And, and this is something that I tell everybody. And it's funny as you get older, you remember things you said and back to my amazing folks. Uh, my mom's told me my whole life, God never gives anything he doesn't intend for you to use. And so I was gifted enough to play golf and to write songs and play music. And I've been lucky to be able to do those at both at a really high level. There's no question. I've been lucky to do that. But I mean, again, there is luck involved. You, you just can't, you just can't let anything stop you. If it's what you believe and what you dream, you just, you just gotta, you just gotta go get it. I mean, you don't, you know, my dad, I think about all the sayings he's, he used to say, and, you know, I mean, you can go around and tell everybody how great you are all you want, but when they're really great, they'll tell you. And so stuff like that is what I've, I've learned to fall back on. And, and when you talk about faith and everything, I, my father is a super, super strong man of God. And my mom and dad both are. My, and, uh, you know, all those, all the times I've sat around and listened to my dad pray and, and pray at dinner or whatever. And every time that I can recall in my 51 years, he would always end his prayer with help us to be mindful of the many needs of others. That is something that we all need to be remember and pass down to our kids and everything. It's my kids have been lucky. They've been blessed. I meant to, to have some things, but there's a lot of them that kids and other parents that don't have that same kind of thing. And you got to remember that. And when you have the opportunity to help somebody do it, just do it. If you have the opportunity to be nice to somebody or open the door, or say, thank you. And play like that kind of stuff has kind of been forgotten in a lot of ways. And I, it's still, it's still real important. It's still real important. Oh, well, amen to that, brother. And hey, man, thank you for, for sharing your story with us. We certainly, we love it and, and love everything you're doing. We, we close all our interviews the same way. We do the SMART 16, 16 questions in, in honor of Coach SMART, kind of like a lightning round type thing. So oh, I'm going to fire it at you and get your answers here, all right? Come on. All right, first one is, what's your middle name? Ferris. All right, who is your favorite dog of all time? My favorite dog of all time. But, oh, wait, Sorry. My personal dog or bulldog? Bulldog, bulldog. Ball player. Oh wow. Uh, man, I've been, I've got, I've been lucky to know a lot of guys that played uh, football at Georgia. Good lord, I, my favorite one. I don't know, man. I, I mean, I've been lucky. I, I know a lot of guys. Uh, honestly, I was really good friends with Andre Hastings. Andre and I were really good friends. I thought for sure that that. You know, that is a good example of a guy I thought for sure was a can't miss NFL guy that that and I'm not sure where Dre is now, but uh, I, I don't know that I could have a, a favorite. I, there's so many guys I've known over the years and grown up around. I don't, I'm just a I'm just a dog fan in general. All right. What is your favorite game you've either attended, watched on TV, just just favorite dogs game you've ever been a part of? It had been that Georgia Florida game in 1980. Yeah, I mean, I mean the national championship game was cool too, and all that. But I mean, that game right there, that that three or four days I got to spend with my dad, and you know, I, again, I'm 11, 10, 11 years old, and I all my dad's friends were, you know, obviously older than me, but I, I I was already I could beat all them in golf, so I was a scratch golfer at that age too. So to play golf and hang out and get to see that and. You know, maybe being the only person in that stadium to watch my dad out there kissing the ground, right? <laughs> and it was uh, that was a pretty cool one. 
Oh yeah. That's just, that is an epic story. What a memory, man. Well, um, maybe I know the answer to this based on your other answers, but what is your favorite rivalry that the dogs have? Wow. I met, uh, they're, they're, I mean, Georgia has so many good ones and, and I mean, you know, it's, you can't argue with Georgia, Florida, but you can't order with good old fashioned hate and Georgia tech. And you know what I miss more than anything, quite honestly, I miss the, I miss Georgia Clemson. I miss that a lot. Yeah. My mom's from Anderson, South Carolina. Oh, okay. So my mom was a, a tiger at her heart, but she's a diehard bulldog, except when they're playing Clemson. And so there was two, ceramic tigers my mom had and if clemson won they got to sit on the mantle for uh <laughs> the year to the next game and one of them they both magically disappeared at some point and until this day my dad has never said where they've gone or where they are or what happened to them uh i'm pretty sure he broke them and hit them or did something to them <laughs> uh yeah i really missed that rivalry a lot i thought that was really good well, that's good then, because opening the year next year, y'all, y'all gonna be house divided again. They got something to uh, something to have some heat over. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. What is your favorite away stadium in the Southeastern Conference? Boy, I mean LSU on a, at a night game in Baton Rouge is something else. <laughs> I mean, and 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 back then, especially, and I, it's been a while since I've I've been working on Saturdays most of the time, so I don't get the game. So back then too, it was kind of one way in, one way out, Death Valley. I don't know if it's like that still, but like. It it that was a that was a nutty a nutty place on I mean on, on a Saturday night was that's wild Baton Rouge is wild on Saturday night. All right, what is the loudest home game you've ever attended at Sanford Stadium? Oh Lord, I I couldn't even I couldn't even tell you because uh, and I ain't got to I haven't been I haven't got to go to a game I don't think I've been to a game in the last ten years honestly because I'm generally I'm working every Saturday. Uh, so, I, you know, as the stadium's expanded with the, with the fans, I don't know. I've been to a lot of loud ones. I, I don't know that I could, I don't know that I could ever say what would be the loudest. It was probably something from when I was a lot younger for sure. All right. I have a tangential question off this. Cause we, we interviewed Ray Fulcher a couple months back and we asked him when you're a big fan of a team, like we all are of the dogs, are you conflicted when you're looking at the schedule and you see that the dogs have a night game and you're like, Oh man, I got to show that night. Like, what am I going to do? Like, how am I going to keep track? Like what, what are those emotions like? It is. And it, you know, there's lots of times when I've got my, whether my sound guy, my crew guy, and I'm like, I meant one of my, my monitor guys, he's diehard. He's Oklahoma state guy. So he's pretty bitter about last week, but uh, I mean, I'm like, all right, give me the damn updates. <laughs> Cause we got, <laughs> I got my in-ears in, and he'll be like, Georgia just scored. I mean, I'm like, don't do it while I'm in the middle of a song. But in between, <laughs> in between, there's definitely some updates going on. Yeah. All right. This, this is one where, where you're allowed to have two answers because, again, we, we gave Ray two answers on this. But you get to choose the headlining act at the Georgia Theater. Who do you choose? Wow. If it wasn't me, I mean, there's, a, you know, I've, I've got – heck, I remember seeing – I don't know how old you are. I saw uh, REM with – Blues Travelers as direct support with Dave Matthews opening for eight dollars. You couldn't see that for eight hundred dollars. You sure? That. You sure couldn't, brother? Being the nosebleed, it probably cost you eight grand to be on the floor for that. I mean, so I don't know. I've seen. I've been so lucky to see some some great some great acts there. I don't know. I, I've had a lot of fun there. I remember my first time when Brantley and I played there, and the first time I sold it out myself, and and then I did a one of the few things that had never been done there just being my hometown i did a friday night saturday night 
show both sold out but i did a saturday afternoon show with uh 18 and under oh and, uh, that's cool that, it was really cool and i got you know kids going holding up clark central years books trying to show me their mom that went to high school with me <laughs> feel pretty damn old but it was it was still it's still pretty cool oh that's I awesome wasn't there before it burnt actually oh you did yeah oh, i remember wow. getting off next day they're like what'd you do i was like i didn't do nothing i don't smoke i didn't do nothing <laughs> uh, so yeah but I'm, I'm glad it got restored and saved and it's still such an iconic place what was it like your first time seeing your name on that kiosk on that marquee being being from there and, and how important music is that, that town what was that feeling like for you just surreal you know you and even though that place you know it's not, you know, it's not like you play in some stadium or something, but it's it's Georgia Theater. And, I mean, if you grew up around there where we did, that's a big dang deal. And, just, you know, for my parents to be there and, like, I think Pat snuck my kids in there maybe. I don't know. They were they were too young to get in there. But it's uh, it, it was just surreal. And looking out, you know, and you're trying to do your show, but at the same – and you're looking at trying to catch faces in the crowd that you, that you know. And I – I wear the shades on stage and uh, it's one of those things I started doing at the beginning. It's like, wow, I wish I kind of hadn't started doing that. Now I can't, you know, it's cause sometimes I can't see and people are like, I was waving at you. I was like, if you were past the first two rows, I can't see nothing. Uh, <laughs> I'll take them off at least some during the shows so I can see, but just to look out and see people you grew up with or went to high school with singing along to your songs. And it's pretty special feeling. Hadn't played there in a long time. I need to get back and play there. Well, we will we will be in attendance next time you're there. I'll promise you that. I, I won't miss that. Uh, all right, so big weekend this weekend, world's largest outdoor cocktail party, one of my favorite weekends of the year every year. What is the cocktail you're mixing each year for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? This is no line. This is one of those things that people do not believe. I'm not I'm not a drinker. Never have been. Uh, I swear. I mean, people like. I mean, Justin Moore one day he's like, "Man, drink this crown." I was like, "I don't drink." He's like, "What do you mean? I've done you." You don't drink them like that's because you're always drunk. You don't know that I'm not drinking. <laughs> but I honestly, just not a drinker. I've never have been. I meant, uh, you know, I can pour them for everybody else. It's just never really been my thing. So uh, two things that people never believed. I was like, they don't believe I don't drink. They don't believe I don't eat really eat sweets and stuff. And I'm like, I, I realize I look like I do both of those things well. But uh, I just just never been my thing. No kidding. It's weird, but it's just never been my thing. Well, you're working too hard to drink, brother. You're playing golf on the front end and playing music on the back. You ain't got time to have drinks, yeah. man. <laughs> oh, I play with Toby. I'm like, you just drank seven Jack and Cokes and we go on stage in two hours. Like, how do you do that? <laughs> I'm, I'm easy. If I do have a couple, if I do have a couple people laugh, they're like, oh my God, you, I mean, you give me a couple of drinks and I'm done for. All right. You're back in Athens for one meal. What's your favorite place to eat in Athens? If I would, I would have loved to go to Euros. I swear that was like my son and I loved it so much. It's been part of my childhood. I meant like, ah, I would give anything to go there. And if I wasn't going there, I'd probably go to the Varsity, uh, another place that's just pretty iconic for me. All right, do you have any game day superstitions? Or when you were a kid, did you have any game day superstitions? Or let me let me put it this way, because you're still you're still actually an active athlete. So do you have any do you have any superstitions? before you head out on the course for a round i don't I, you know and i know lots of my you know professional golfer friends and other athletes and a lot of guys do have i've never been a superstitious guy in the same way with music people 
I have people on the bus and they're like, okay, we need to get off for you and get ready to show. I'm like, nah, I'm ready. I meant like, you don't have to do anything. I was like, put my hat on, put my boots. <laughs> do. Like, I don't, you know, it's like, I, I play music. I'm not a neurosurgeon. Like I, I don't have to get in a special place. It's like, Hey, the crowd, they're here. Let's go. I, I mean, I just love it. I don't, I don't get into all that, that kind of stuff. I mean, I know some people do and it's important for them and, just another thing that's never been my thing. I always feel like, you know, it's going to be what it is. I'm going to, I'm going to thank the Lord, whatever it is, and just go get after it. All right. What's your favorite Sanford Stadium pregame tradition? Whether it's dog walk, lone trumpet, uh, red coat marching band, spelling out Georgia. What's your favorite? Golly, man. We used to park. I mean, and everything has changed so much for my dad. We used to park the van in this little parking lot you know, probably 300 yards from uh, maybe 300 yards from the sidelines. We, I mean, we sat right there about the 45 and club level and the whole, I mean, and that was back when I, I can't even imagine, like when I was even taking my son over there, I couldn't do it. But when I was 12 years old, I ran all over that damn stadium. I mean, it wasn't nobody worried about somebody taking you or just yeah. such a time. I meant like every day there and, and every Saturday there's all these different people that, you know, you know, from tailgating and there's fried chicken here and there's varsity chili dogs and onion rings here. And, you know, you're throwing the football. I mean, I just, uh, I miss, um, I can't tell you the times my dad, I can't remember the name of that street, but my dad would always cut down this one way street. And, and, and I can't, I mean, I can't tell you the number of times we've got pulled over and they all know my dad and they're like, coach, this is a one way street. Yeah. <laughs> And my dad would always go, I'm only going one way. It's like, coach, stop doing this. Of course, and never, he'd do it again next next Saturday. But he never got a ticket, though. All right, black jerseys, yes or no? I don't have a problem with the black jersey. I mean, but I meant, you know, I'm 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 a silver bridge. I'm red and silver britches or white jersey. It's that's like arguing about, you know, the James Bond, <laughs> you know, you like more. I, you know, obviously we just lost Sean Connery, but I grew up with you know, I, I grew up in a different era. So it, it's, it's, I like Roger Moore because that's what I grew up. So I like, I, I like those eighties uniforms are my, are my jam for sure. What is the loss you're still not over? Oh man. Uh, I've learned to You know, I've learned to get over it pretty good. Some guys take a little bit harder. Uh, you know, I, I've learned to let stuff like that go. I don't know that there's anyone that, you know, I mean, it, that 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 first Alabama that first Alabama thing I mean that that hurts to you to not be able to figure out a way to beat them yet and they've you know done it different ways and I've actually thought the last three times we kind of had them we we beat them most of the game except if you get to the end of the scoreboard and it, it didn't look that way and as I was just talking about that with my golf was like you look at that score and I'm like I really hit it better than that I just made a couple of <laughs> Like I made a couple of dumb mistakes and it doesn't look like I did, but I mean, and that's kind of what's happening with that. So I don't ever like, you know, my dad used to tell his team, he's like, I don't want guys. I don't want guys that uh, love to win. Everybody wants to win. I want guys that absolutely despise to lose. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I'm so excited. I was good friends with coach Rick. I loved Mark. I loved Jim Donnan. We're still good friends. Uh, I think what Kirby's doing, I mean, he's in, he's instilled that, that mentality of, of guys like you want to be here, you're going to be on board with this program, and we don't, we don't, we are here to do 
serious business. When it's time to go to work, we go to work. And I love that about what he's doing with our program and what he's instilling uh, in, in, in what's going on there right now. I mean, and, uh, every loss, and nobody, every loss sucks to me. I don't ever want. Yeah, same, same with us, brother. They're all, they're all bad. I don't uh, like. I'm so glad you brought up the varsity. This is the number fourteen question on our Smart Sixteen. What is your order at the varsity? Well, it'd be three chili dogs, an onion ring, and a large coke with a lot of ice. There, literally, that comes up so many times when we're on the road, and I'm and I'm way away from home, and I'm and and I'll I'll go. All right. I swear to God, I'd give $200 a piece for chili dogs from the varsity run. <laughs> I could make 600 off of me so quick. If I, could, I mean, like that, that's one of my go-to sayings when I'm really hungry and we're stuck somewhere or if I'm on the West coast or something, it's like, Oh my God, I'd do anything for friggin' for friggin' varsity. Run now. I'd gut shot a Cub Scout. Well, so you'll appreciate this then. Every time I have to fly somewhere and I have to connect, if I can connect through Atlanta, I'll do it just so I can meander my way over to the terminal and pick me up a couple chili dogs and a frosted orange before I hit that next flight. (laughs) I'd be be remiss if I didn't tell you there's been a lot of flights that have been determined by when I was, how much layover time I had in Atlanta. I promise. (laughs) I'm through my my, my band leader and, and tour manager knows like, I know you want to fly Delta cause, cause, and Nashville is not, you know, it's very Southwest, whatever. So I'm like, yeah. yep. Okay. I want to fly Delta. And if I got to go through somewhere, I need you to send me through Atlanta and I need at least an hour and a half. That way I can get to the varsity. That's yes. it, brother. I'm right there with you. I planned around getting to the varsity. Believe me. Yep. I'm, I'm, I'm here for that. Atlanta airport too. So that's great. That's right. That's right. All right. There ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing noon kickoffs. Yes or no. Uh, I, you know, it doesn't bother me. I mean, but I grew up, you know, in the eighties, there were so many, I mean, it was like, it, it never didn't bother me. It's like, I just knew, I mean, the van was going to be parked over there. Probably dad would have the van parked over there the night before. So I mean, like, <laughs> I, it started, like you knew like nine o'clock in the morning at a 12 or 1230, like we were going to already be, it's already going. So I, that ain't never bothered me. I, you know, I, I guess maybe I could see, why that's an odd time for some people, but I mean, I, I don't know. It's never, I don't, I don't know what people's consensus is on that, but it ain't never bothered me. All right. Last question. College football playoff expand to eight teams or find how it is. I think eight teams would be good. I do. I don't know that there's necessarily a correct answer, but I mean, when you look at some of the situations that have happened over the last, you know, half dozen years, you know, there's definitely some teams that are getting, you know, are, are getting shut out that probably should get an opportunity to play. And, and, and I get the whole thing, uh, but look, what's, what's one more game. I mean, that's really what, it, I mean, that's really what we're talking about. Right. So what's one more game to make sure we have a clear and concise where there's nobody going, Oh, well, if you'd have, if they would have played them, it's like, well, let's, I, I don't have, a, I think eight would be pretty good. I mean, what's the most generally the most exciting thing in college sports is March madness. And, that's 64 teams. So they, and they play a lot more games during the year. So I mean, like, that's a hard, that's a hard argument when people go, you know, well, they play already. It's like, yeah, well, they played this many. I mean, NFL's playing this many, baseball's playing 162. So it's like, you know, it's, what's one more game to make sure you got to, I just want a clear and concise winner. And I don't, I don't know that four teams always gives us that, although it does a lot. I mean, you look, I mean, you know, you, 
like it or not like it, LSU was the best team in the country last year. I don't care what anybody. I don't. Yeah. I, I think LSU could have finished in the upper half of the NFL last year. So, <laughs> and, and and this year, I don't know that they could beat it. They can't beat nobody. So it happens. But I'm at. Uh, I, I I think it'd be nice to have a couple more teams in there. All right, that's that's the smart sixteen. You're off the hot seat. I appreciate it. All right, Cole. Well, thanks, man. We certainly appreciate it. And we will uh, we will link all your socials in our show notes. So everybody can go follow you. Everybody, please go and support Colt. Um, just not a not a better guy out there, not a more hardworking guy, not anybody more passionate than the dog. So we certainly we certainly should support him and, and trumpet him as best we can. So we, we certainly enjoyed it, Colt. Thank you for the time, brother. That I appreciate. I'm sorry it took me so long for us to get it together, but let's do it again sometime. And go dogs. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.